Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Engineering Managers in the Wild. My name is Alberto, and in this podcast, I'm going to chat with other managers, friends, colleagues, people from my network about the world of engineering management as it happens in real teams, in real life, in small and big companies. What do EMs really do? What do they think about? Why is their job important? Let's find out together. Hello, I'm here with Julian today. Julian is a former colleague. We work together at Spotify. I met you a couple of years ago when you joined and I was already at the company. And uh, I think Julian has a great experience. And, and, and when I met him in our first conversations, I immediately liked all your experience, what you were bringing to the company. And I thought, I, w- I will learn so much from this guy. <laughs> Let me, let's make sure we, we collaborate. And then between COVID, different things happening at the company, we never really uh, did that that much, but still we stayed in touch and I really, I really like that. And I appreciate the fact that you found the time to come to the show today and share your experience. So welcome, Julian. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> and and, and good, good morning for me. Uh, I'm in the US at the moment. Uh, it's nice, nice to see you again. It's been a while. And uh, as you said, I, I've also always enjoyed our chat. So I'm happy to be here today. Thank you. And uh, would you like to share a few words about you, who you are, your experience for the yeah. audience? <laughs> I know you, of but course. I want more people to know you. <laughs> I, can, I can do that. So my name is Julian. I'm uh, engineering lead at Spotify. Um, I currently lead a bunch of teams who are working on the Spotify mobile application, um, cross-functional teams with Android, iOS, backend engineers, who are basically building out some of the, the main surfaces of, of the app. Uh, before that, I worked at a company called Atlassian, who's famous for its Jira products. And there I was also a, an engineering leader, uh, principally working on, on Jira software. And before that, I held a number of different positions. I'm a computer scientist, like I started my career as an engineer, but I joined a, a startup um, at some point in my career. So I moved a little bit and did a little bit of data science on the side for a few years. But uh, eventually I, I came back to my first love, which is engineering and, mm-hmm. and engineering management. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, I remember like now you mentioned that last year and, uh, when you joined, I had one specific experience with Jira that I didn't really appreciate. But then you joined and you said, oh, it's actually not so bad. Did you try the new version, the cloud version? We we talked about it a, a little and then I started appreciating it more and I saw some sides to the tool that I didn't see before. So it's always interesting to compare experiences and, and learn from the expert, actually. <laughs> yes, it's one of the things that I loved about working at Atlassian is I learned so much about the tools that I used to hate and and, and yeah. I got to learn to to love them. Yeah. And then you spread the love and people learn from it. That's, that's exactly. Great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but uh, today we're not going to discuss anything related to Jira or maybe it will pop up at some point. I don't know. <laughs> but we're talking more about engineering management. And uh, would you like to give us a quick introduction to the topic that we're discussing today? Yes, of course. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um dealing with underperformers as engineering managers. And the the reason why I chose that topic is it's very interesting for me because it touches the subject of managing people, mm-hmm. which is something when you're at school and you or you're studying that no one really talks about. Like you get yeah. a lot of lectures and, and uh, classes about technical skills, right? Like you learn how to code, you learn all of these things. You have classes around project management, things about agile methodologies, like a lot of different things. But when it comes to dealing people, 
I haven't been prepared to do that. And so when I started in engineering management, it's one of the things that I was probably do is doing the poorest job uh, at, but but also the things where I learned the most because mm-hmm. uh, it, it's one of the most uh, unpredictable one. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's one of the reasons why why I chose that topic, um, but but also because the thing that I found with dealing with underperformers is you you need to have some kind of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. uh, to deal with, with with dealing people, and it's a very interesting skill set to have, but also a very interesting thing because I kind of gauge my emotional intelligence as a, as a battery. I always use that, that, that analogy where you need time to actually build it up. Uh, and then for every small interaction you might have with people during your day, during your week, like that battery is slowly draining. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think when you deal, especially with, with another performance, because it takes so much of your energy, um, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's just a very interesting uh, thing to talk about and something that we don't talk about that much, uh, even though it's uh, an essential yeah. part of, of our job. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Like when you mentioned this topic as the as the one you wanted to to discuss with me, I immediately thought, oh, wow, that's that's a good one because it's very tricky and it's something we don't talk about that much. But it's something that sooner or later as a manager you will face and you cannot really improvise it. <laughs> I mean, at some point you will have to a few things and use your emotional intelli- intelligence you were saying. But if we as a community, we discuss it a bit more and how you handle different situations, we will build more understanding and more empathy, more emotional intelligence, more we're more prepared and trained to deal with these situations that are very normal. It's not something to shy away from, to to run away from and just, you know, oh, underperformer, let's fire that person and and done. You know, that's the worst you, you could do, right? Quick action, avoid the problem. No, it's a, it's a great opportunity to do something great for a person, a company and so on and so forth and to grow yourself. Absolutely. So... Who is an underperformer <laughs> from your point of view? How do we define an underperformer? Uh, how do we define them? It's an interesting <laughs> question. I think probably no no surprise to the, the people listening to the podcast that nowadays in most of the tech companies, whether they're small, medium or large, there is some kind of uh, notion of a framework that helps engineering managers and leaders to assess someone's skills in, in the team, right? So usually there is a part about technology. Usually there's a part about having a business impact, a part, a part about being a team player. Like there's a bunch of different things that, that are part of that framework. And um, those frameworks have different ways of measuring performance of individuals. Mm-hmm. And so what we call underperformers are people who are struggling with uh, kind of meeting the bar of what is expecting of them um, inside their their job title. That's how I would define what another performer is. Yeah, I agree. It can be tricky to understand how the different career frameworks are and work and what do you need to assess exactly in a person, especially when you change jobs and company. So the definition, that's why I asked the question, the definition might vary a bit depending on the company and the, the situation you're in. But yeah, having a tool that helps you assess that in possibly in a fair way can really help and it's interesting that you say that it's sometimes tricky to understand because i remember the first time i came across a such framework someone told me this is not a checklist um it's something that you can use in order to grow yourself but it's not a checklist and you you shouldn't talk about it as a checklist with uh, the, the the people in your team 
but then the, the way it's presented looks like yeah. a checklist, right? And so how do you reconcile <laughs> of like, no, it's not a checklist, even though it reads and, and it presents like a, like a checklist. So it's a, it's a very interesting tool that helps in a lot of different ways, but it also has a few flaws. Yeah, you're right. Like at the end of the day, it might seem like a, a long list or checklist of behaviors, expectations, and so on and so forth. And and what do you do and how many do you need to miss before you can <laughs> be considered an underperformer? And how many points do you need to score? It's a bit tricky. So yeah, trying to have that conversation in a nice way over time and really understanding together with the person what's going on and why I think is very important, right? Yeah, and, and I, I think the way to look at it as well is... At the end of the day, what do we all want to do in our adult job is like having an impact, right? And so I think when it comes to dealing with underperformers, the first of red flag or the first thing that I would try to look for is people who are not um, having that impact that they are supposed to do, depending on their job title, depending on their uh, tenure at the company, depending on their skill set, like are they having the right impact inside your team? Uh, mm -hmm. And if they don't, then you can kind of come back to the steps framework and, and look at, okay, so I, ha I have that feeling or I can kind of measure that that person doesn't have mm -hmm. the impact it's supposed to have. And so how do we bring it back to the kind of the more practical things that are part of the framework to kind of frame where the problem might be and help them understand what they need to do in order to improve, in order to increase their impact? Yeah, I like that. So using that as a tool, but also connecting it like to what you, you are seeing and observing in a behavior and like results and uh, outputs in the team or outcomes and how this person is contributing in general and what they're doing at their specific level of experience, right? And uh, yeah, tell me a bit more, like now we, we discussed what a, an underperformer is from your point of view and our point of view and... Uh, what tools we can use to understand performance. Why is this important? Why should an EM care? <laughs> and I'm asking, let me give you like, take a step back and, and, and give some background to the question and why I'm, I'm thinking about this. I think sometimes you think about uh, underperformers as, oh, that specific person that never performed well and never will. But I feel that anyone can go through a period of underperformance at any point in time for any reason. Like if I look back at my own career, when COVID started, all of a sudden I was like thinking about my family back home, the situation in the world, like, and honestly, I was not performing as well as I was before uh, that time. It took me a while to get back to my previous level. And that's absolutely normal and understanding that and trying to deal with that and understanding that others might be going through similar experiences is, is very important. So it's not a mark of shame. It's something that we should support and, and help heal. <laughs> and, and you're completely right. I think it can happen to anyone. And it's not because sometimes you might be underperforming in your job because of multiple reasons, as you mentioned, that you are going to be flagged as uh, an underperformer. Like I think the, the main difference um, is... And I'm talking about kind of big tech companies or or medium-sized tech companies. I don't know much about how it happens in small smaller companies, mm -hmm. but at least in in our companies, I think it's more when that underperforming or that impact that you have um, has been kind of a little bit lower in comparison with the bar that, that the company has set um, for kind of a long period of time. Otherwise, I think throughout our career, throughout like a, a period of one year, 
there's always going to be moments where you're a little bit more down, where you're a little bit more excited, where you're performing better, where you're delivering more, depending on everything that happens in your life. So I think it's important to talk about when we talk about underperformers is like, I think um, people who are underperforming are people who are underperforming kind of over a long period of time or where the gap between what we expect and what they're actually delivering is um, very big. Yeah. Why, why is it important? I, I think it's important. Like I believe, I, I fundamentally believe in the power of teams. And, and maybe it's because of my tenure of Atlassian where uh, teams are, are put in, in and, and talked about in everything that we do. As an individual, you can go quick, but I think with the team around you, you can probably go far, which is the, the main difference to me. And so what one of the reasons why you want to deal with on the performers is because most of the time, whether you realize it or not, um, they're having an impact on your, on your team. Um, some other people might realize that they're not really performing at their best and so they might get frustrated because they don't understand what's happening and why there's no action actually being uh, taken by by the, the leadership of the squad um they can it can affect morale in in general uh, of the team um, so I, I think it's very important for the cohesion of the team to actually try to understand what is happening to those people and and, and try to help them um, that that's for me the the best mm -hmm. the, the number one thing that is important on why to deal with them, but but also and I think you touched a little bit on it at, at the beginning in your introduction. It's a good opportunity for those people to learn, and so I think that's one of the the great things about at some point in time being an underperformer in your career is it's kind of a, a good way to get that extra attention from people and that extra coaching from from people uh, around you to actually get better. And so uh, I, I don't know. It just I, I feel like it's a it's a great tool uh, that, or a great situation where you can learn a lot of different things. Yeah. I love the perspective that you shared because it's um, not just focusing on the underperformer. It's also about the impact on the whole world around this person that can be like the team and the project and so on and so forth. So maybe this person doesn't even realize that their situation, behavior, whatever they're going through is influencing a lot of other dimensions around them and helping them understand that and solve whatever issue they're facing can be very important for the team, the company, and their own personal growth. I really like yeah, that. Absolutely. I, I think one of the other things that is interesting about the, the these kind of situations that is maybe opposite to what people think uh, is when you have another performer in your team, the first thing you need to do is not act, is actually listen. Mm -hmm. uh, which is it, it took me a while to to really understand it and when i when i say listen is because as you said like you were you were struggling a little bit during covid um we all have life right and so when those people are are underperforming maybe it doesn't have anything to do with their technical skills doesn't have anything to do with their abilities to perform the job maybe it's just something outside of work that is affecting them and so i think if you try to go in and like Tell them like everything is wrong right from the beginning without even trying to understand what's happening to them. Uh, it, it makes things very complicated. So when that happens, first thing you want to do is first seek uh, to understand what what's happening and and try to gauge the situation before making any decisions and and start designing a, a plan to improve. 
Yeah, I think like you you expressed what I was trying to say before with my silly, you know, let's fire the person <laughs> example. Of course, that's where you're going into right now. So instead of just acting immediately, then you you, you would scare that person away. You would not accomplish anything. You would not. You would waste an opportunity to improve things and allow a person to grow and fulfill their potential. Instead, like understanding what is really happening. If you go in and tell this person, hey, everything you're doing is wrong, <laughs> that person would be scared away. Oh my God, my manager has uh, their eyes on me and now whatever I do is going to be wrong and it will be fired. And you know, you're scared, uh, you're worried and, and it's very hard to recover from that situation. Absolutely. What would you recommend on top of listening and, and observing once you have understood that through the framework that you have and your experience and observing like the impacts at the level you were expecting is not there. How would you approach the situation? Maybe I don't know if you have any stories that are more specific you want to share. I'm happy to hear your experience. I think there's, there's probably one thing that is important that I learned the hard way is uh, involving HR as soon as possible. And it might sound scary, because usually when HR is involved, like something bad is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a bit on the contrary. Um, having someone from HR involved very early on in the process can actually help because, as I said, people have feelings and things that might be happening outside of work. And so maybe they have that perspective that they can help with or they can just help with dealing with the emotional journey that comes with uh, having to deal with uh, on the performer. Whether it's uh, providing help for them and, and kind of trying to support them, but also uh, support you as a manager. Like I think we talk a lot about the um, emotions that underperformers go through when mm -hmm. they're going through kind of um, uh, an improvement plan. Uh, but but there's also a part where the lead of the team, the, the engineering manager, also has to go through a lot of kind of ups and downs during that journey because it requires a lot of energy from them. Yeah. yeah and the first time I did... I had to deal with an underperformer. It's I, I didn't do that. Like I, I, I spoke to HR very late in the process, mm -hmm. and and I think involving HR before would have been so much easier for everyone involved. So that that's one thing um, that that I think needs to be done at the mm -hmm. beginning. Then every situation is different, right? like every person is different. Every person is going to react different. I think the, the thing we might want to talk about a little bit is what happens, right? Once you flag that someone is kind of underperforming and you've identified that they need to get better at, most companies those days um, have something called an, a performance improvement plan, which is kind of a very formal way of defining um, what are the areas where you want the person to improve. And same thing, like when we talk about performance improvement plan, one of the things that I found super important is writing things down and very be very clear about everything in, in the plan. And when I say be very clear, it's not only a matter of like writing it down. It's also a matter of like validating with the person you're talking to yeah. that they understand the same thing as you. Because another thing that happened to me throughout my career when dealing with, with another performer is I put a plan together. It was written in a document. We decided on like what, what were the uh, outcome that we wanted to reach and, and everything. And we went with it. And then when we kind of started assessing how the person was doing throughout the, the improvement plan, we realized halfway through that actually one of the things that was written in the doc was kind of understood differently between the, the, the person on the performing and, and me as a, as a leader. 
and even with HR involved, they can also help with those kind of things. So yeah, really be clear and making sure that what you wrote is clear for the person uh, that you're working with. And setting a deadline, I think, is also very important. Uh, are we going to do this for a week? Are we doing going to do this for three months? What will the period of time look like? And 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 be very clear about this as well. Yeah, thank you for driving through this because I, I had a similar experience where I where I was working on a performance improvement improvement plan, and throughout the process, I realized only later on that it wasn't really well phrased, and then there might be misunderstandings and that person is maybe improving, but in a slightly different direction. <laughs> and then it's not great. So you learn a lot. And and you mentioned a few things. So things being written down in a performance improvement plan and having like clear shared understanding of what those things are and how they're measured and having a deadline and having it shared also with HR that will support you. Like what, what else should be in a good performance improvement plan from your point of view? Is anything else worth mentioning? I'm curious because I, <laughs> it's one of those things that you don't face so often, uh, especially at the beginning of your career, and and it's nice. Absolutely, uh, a big dose of empathy, I think, for for me is is very important. Um, and then I've I've had the the situation a couple of times where people were very transparent about it, mm -hmm. and that's not something for everyone. Like I understand how some people don't want to share with the rest of the team, but I've had a few cases where people are actually very very comfortable talking about it and said, okay, um, I'm in this situation. I want to stay where I am. I think I'm a great fit for the team, for the company. So I need everyone's help. And so they kind of shared openly or transparently mm -hmm. with, with their team, what some of the areas they want, they needed to improve was, what was kind of the measure of success. And in both cases, it actually helped a lot because mm -hmm. then everybody was aware of it. Everybody was super conscious about it. People who also might have been frustrated with the individual started uh, seeing that kind of something was being done and they wanted to help them. And they, they kind of started to understand a bit more how they could help them. And so in both situations, it, it actually brought the team closer together. And we were lucky in, in a sense, because for both of those improvement plan, uh, the outcome was positive and the person ended up staying inside the team. But I, I don't know. I, I don't want to draw any conclusions based on very few yeah. uh, um, data points. But I feel like the fact that they shared very transparently with the rest of the team actually helped them to go through this in an easier way than maybe in other situations. Nice. And I think like it's not a conclusion, but something beautiful, I think, that you are saying, both from the manager's perspective and the IC's perspective, is is a good reminder. Like you're not alone in this. Like ask for help, no matter how much experience you already have in your career. You, you should have, ask for help. Like if you're a manager and you're, you're you're facing this situation, no one is expecting you to deal with it on your own alone but you have colleagues, friends, people from HR, other managers who can share their experience and, and support, and you are much better equipped to deal with it. Because as you said before, every experience is unique in a way, and you need to understand it and, and, and care about it in a specific way. And same if you are the person going through the experience of underperforming and having a performance improvement plan, if you feel okay with it and you want to share it, people will generally be very supportive and understanding and it will be much easier for you to to then deal with the situation and, and open up and, and and improve over time. So I, I like your message. <laughs> and again, like coming back to what I was saying earlier, that's the power of the teams, right? Like I think yeah. if you if your team is a sum of individuals where everybody can to just pull the cover on, on them and 
and kind of shine individually. I don't think you're going to get to that point, but if the team is really working together and you have what we call a high-performing teams, I think everybody is going to try to, to kind of pull everyone um, and, and, and take them with them on, on the journey, which is super important. Yeah. Okay, so we have another performer. We uh, got support from HR. We are observing the situation, listening, uh, using our emotional intelligence to understand what's going on. We have a performance improvement plan that is written down with clear, shared understanding of what needs to be accomplished and what the deadline is. And it feels like feasible. So it's easy, right? Like you just follow the recipe and it works out and people get out of the situation and the team is happy. <laughs> I'm wondering what is hard instead, like. <laughs> yes. So that, that's kind of the, the best case scenario, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think I can talk a little bit about complicated examples or, yeah. that, that are, or cases that I've had to deal with. I, I think it's hard where when people feel judged in a way um, mm -hmm. and if they feel like mm -hmm. the... Um, feedback you're giving them and the objectives that you're giving them are too hard or that they're not fair or they tr they start to compare themselves with other people in the team and right? so they, they're going to start saying but wait you want me to do this but that individual in the team which has the same level as me doesn't do nearly as much as what you're asking me to do so how is it is that fair right so probably summarizing all of these things is like when you when you have to deal with another performer that is kind of battling you constantly mm -hmm. um, on, on everything that is happening, on everything that you say, on everything you try to do to help them. In those cases, taking a step back and saying that you're here to help them, not here to judge them, is, is probably a good way to get away uh, from from this. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, it's never easy. And, and <laughs> I've had to do that a couple of times in my career and, and it, it didn't always end up uh, kind of uh, in a, in a in a positive way, but I, I don't know. Like I I just feel like if you treat people as human beings and can you you acknowledge that they're frustrated and you kind of tell them that you're here to help them, eventually the people that want help will kind of listen and and kind of see how they can improve based on the feedback you want. Yeah. Um, the ones that don't, I mean, it's fine. Like as I always say, there's a company out there for. Each and every one of us, depending on our skill set, on what we're looking for, on on the stage we are at uh, with our life, um, so it's completely normal for those people to go and look for something that is more aligned with what they're thinking about the job or what they think uh, their job description should be. But yeah, like um, again, bringing that uh, those people's skills and like that emotional intelligence into the mix uh, can can help a lot when dealing with uh, hard situations. Yeah, I think like you made a very good point there where once again, we're not dealing with a an algorithm software like as, as I wanted like intentionally to, for it to sound at the beginning, like you follow your recipe and it will work out well. No, because at the end of the day, there are human beings involved and who knows like what situations, emotions are coming into play there. And it might be, as you said, that the outcome of this plan is not a success. And maybe there are some fundamental reasons behind it where there is no alignment anymore between the job, the person, the company, and you need to part ways and then that's it. And maybe that's the actually the best outcome because then at the end of the day, you realize this was the only possible good one for this specific stage in this person's career, life or, and whatnot. And, and that's it. But at least you have 
discussed it, observed it, measured it, you went through a few alternatives and you haven't just, you know, ignored it or avoided it. That That's the outcome and you have an outcome and then you can do whatever you wish with it, but you dealt with the, with the situation. And as you said, like the worst part is just ignoring it. Um, yeah. So it's a, it, you have to just face it at, at some point. And for, for our listeners, I think one of the things that we want to say is that kind of, this is the last measure, but before that, like, of course, as engineering managers, we have all the tools in our toolbox to kind of help people as like giving feedback regularly and frequently, um, staying with them and, and, and kind of coaching them through situations and things like that. So you don't want the performance uh, improvement plans to be, to come as a surprise for the individuals yeah. uh, because you hopefully have talked about it uh, before it actually came to that. Yeah, thank you for the reminder, because of course we are focusing on a specific topic, but I don't want people to get the impression that, you know, oh, you didn't move your tickets for this week from in progress to done. So you need a performance improvement plan, you know, <laughs> you should, absolutely not. Yeah, probably you should get feedback about it for a long time and then understand, hey, this person is not really responding to feedback. And this is like, yeah, you have observed, as you mentioned before, for a long time that this was happening. Let's deal with it in a more formal way. Yeah. I had a case where, like, to to kind of explain a little bit what we just talked about with someone who was hired as a senior engineer, mm-hmm. and they were focusing a lot of their time on reviewing PRs and coaching people and kind of making sure that the team was performing, but they, to some extent, uh, forgot that part of their job was also to deliver on some of the work that the team was working on. It was like not mm-hmm. only about the coaching, but also about the doing, right? And so for them, it was completely normal because at their last company, that's um, what they were used to. That's what they was being asked of senior engineers. And so that kind of talking through it with them um, in, in one-on-ones, in coaching sessions, and eventually... Um, on on in the performance plan help them to understand that the expectation at this company was very different than the expectation they had um, at the other company and so they also learned a lot through the the process and got better uh, over time yeah absolutely i think like this is touching on some of the things that you mentioned before where maybe in some smaller companies startups and other places you don't have a career framework there is not like a shared way to understand what the expectations are at different levels and at some point it becomes very important that you actually have something like this because otherwise how can you understand really in a fair way if you're doing your job uh, the job you were hired for and how can you understand if you're being evaluated in a a fair way when you're doing performance review salary adjustments and whatnot promotions you could totally say no this is my definition of senior engineer why why don't we agree and what can you can you say as a manager, right? If you're not supportive of with proper tools, so it's a it's a very important tool to have. One of the things that I found very useful when when uh, being in these situations is treating those things as incidents. Yeah, of course, very different situations. But what I mean by that is kind of doing a, a post mortem on mm-hmm. what happened. No matter if the plan is successful or not, like kind of at the end of it, just looking back. Okay, so how did we get into that situation? what happened, mm-hmm. why did it happen, and kind of what can we do in order to avoid being in the same situation um, again. And and I think that's especially interesting when the, the people on the performing are kind of 
fairly new joiner. And like people who have joined maybe, I don't know, less than a year ago or less than six months ago. Like I think looking back and trying to understand what went wrong um, is a great tool to first learn as a manager. Like what can you do better, you know, to support those individuals in the future? Or what can you do better to spot things during the interview process where people's skills are not aligned with what you're actually looking for for the team? So like it's a it's a great way for you as a leader to learn, but also I think a, a great way for the organization to also grow and and understand and adjust. Um, and I I don't know if it's something that a lot of people do, but I know that when I I have to deal with those situations, I do it for myself, but also for for the people involved in the process, because we all have something to learn. Absolutely, like uh, reflecting on, on what happened and how and what you can do to improve as is a great tool to to actually draw some learnings from from that experience. And who would you share this process with? Like, if you're having like a, your postmortem retro, is, do you do that just for yourself with the individual, with other managers, with HR? What would you suggest? Just curious. With, with the individual and with HR. Um, for me, it's the the, the bare minimum. I, I would say probably with the people involved throughout the process, because mm-hmm. again, like sharing it with a lot of people, we might not have the context. It yeah. can be misinterpreted. It can it, it can lead to a bunch of different problems. And so, sharing it with the people involved with the process, and then if you want to share it with some colleagues, uh, I think it's also a, a great way for the community around you and your team around mm-hmm. you to to learn and grow, but with the caveat of like, you need to provide the context otherwise the information without the context might, might be perceived or interpreted in a, in the wrong way. Yeah. At the end of the day, once again, it very much depends on the context and what people are going through and what should remain private. Uh, it's very, very important. Otherwise you might get like the completely opposite result, <laughs> and that's not what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as, as we're talking, I was thinking it touches on something else. You're not alone in it as a, as a manager. Like at the end, you're you're doing a podcast about managers. So let's talk about the role of the manager in all of this, right? Like you, you you're not alone. And in most of the, the improvement plans that I've done, I've always tried to share what I was doing with at least one of my colleagues, just to sense check, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. so I have that person, this is what's happening, this is how I'm thinking about it. What do you think about it? Um, do you think I'm being fair? Do you think I'm being too harsh? kind of aligning expectations and, and kind of using your network of peers in order to help you in those situations can be really helpful as a manager. Also, because then you have someone that supports you as well, like throughout the process. It's a hard process for the person being in the improvement plan, but it's also for the manager. And so if you have someone that can emotionally help you go through the, the whole process, I think it's really valuable. Yeah, I love that. And also, like like you said before, it can be a very draining process for you emotionally. And having someone that supports you, that you can vent to, like you can open up to and, and go and say, hey, look, I cannot really deal with this anymore. Can I just cry about it? Like <laughs> Sometimes it's uh, it's good as a manager to know that someone is there, knows about the situation. You can just be very open and, and then go back full of energy and, and deal with it again. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I guess, like involving on top of HR, other colleagues, your own manager, uh, maybe they have experience dealing with same situation in other companies. 
But one thing that you made me think about also in involving other managers, other colleagues is it's also good for alignment, maybe understanding if you're really like assessing situations in the same way across the company. I remember when I joined Spotify at the beginning, like, yes, there is this career framework that is different from the previous company. And I'm in a specific part of the company, in a specific tribe of Spotify, like, is it the same kind of perspective that is being taken like here compared to the rest of the company? How do we align? And so it's very healthy actually to see, hey, how do you look at this side of performance? Am I expecting too much of a senior engineer here compared to you? And uh, yeah, how are you, are you dealing with this? And that's very like, it's good for your own growth also as a, as a manager. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What else? What happens when you the deadline comes? The performance improvement plan is drawing to, to an end and uh, yeah. Yes, that's a, it's a it's a interesting question. So th there's probably two different scenarios, I would say. The the first one is you're gonna have some people who who look at the plan at the beginning of the plan, and as time goes, they can kind of feel that it's not gonna work, and and so they for them it's kind of a signal to start looking for something else. And so I've had those cases of people who actually left the company before we even had a chance to finish the improvement plan because they didn't feel like they could be successful and just felt like this was not the the, the right place for them. So that happens. It's sad because it feels like you, you can't really put an end to something that you started, uh, but, but th those situations happen. Uh, in the case where people go through the, the plan entirely, I think I'd, I'll probably apply the same principle as we talked about a little bit earlier, which is nothing should really come as a surprise. Throughout the plan, I try personally to be very transparent around, okay, so you're hitting the mark, like we're, we're getting there, um, or you're still not doing enough, um, you're halfway there, uh, you're trying to set some expectation throughout the, the whole process around how people are doing and, and if you believe that they're going to make it or if you want them to work a little bit harder. Um, and so hopefully, and I say hopefully because it doesn't always happen, the, the end of the process shouldn't really come as a surprise to the, the person being on the improvement plan. There's still cases where the, 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 the hard decision has to be, to be made. And the best way to deal with it is just like always, like a little bit of, or a lot of empathy. Going back to what happened and explaining that this is what we tried to do. It didn't work out. So unfortunately, we're going to have to take measures and we're very sorry, but we're going to have to uh, let them go. Uh, but like being very empathetic throughout the process and when you're delivering that message is especially useful. And especially in that meeting, uh, I think having someone again, like from, from HR can also be a huge help. Yeah. I like the, uh, the focus on empathy and being sure that, you know, things like this can happen to anyone for any reason. And it's, it shouldn't be felt like, you know, a mark of shame forever on your career. So you're a failure now from now on. No, it happened for many reasons that we just, hopefully it doesn't come as a surprise. Like you said, it's a process. It didn't work out. So let's rediscuss why. Let's make sure that we agree on the why, or at least it's on the table and it's transparent. And then it's an opportunity again for this person and for you as a manager, for everyone around you to take it as a learning and then rediscover a new career or do better next time or see what will happen in between. And maybe, yeah, when, when I, when I go through these experiences, the usual reaction that I have, oh, I failed as a manager because this person didn't perform. 
and maybe like you said before maybe having hr with you other colleagues people like a plan that is also for you a way for you to take notes and see what you went through really helps you reason about it and make it like a learning experience and feel like actually i tried all of these things so maybe i actually did my job i can do it in a better way but it, it really supports you like having a track record and, and a log of what happened and, and everything supports you like in feeling a bit better and knowing that yeah there is work to be done okay but you also put in a lot of, a lot of effort and you should have some you know empathy for yourself as well yeah absolutely and that's why the the postmortem is is very important like to look back at, at some of these things but yeah like we're not gonna lie like for me it's one of the worst part of the job yeah um, when the plans are successful i think it just galvanize you uh, and you're like super excited because it worked out and like you helped that that person but when when it, when it doesn't can be a little bit of a setback for a couple of days a couple of weeks where as you said like you're, you're questioning everything about yeah. uh, you as a manager um and and that's just the, the nature of uh human beings i think you can't really avoid it uh, and it's that emotional intelligence and that empathy that we have for the people that we work with that is is affecting us that the reason why we it's affecting us in that way yeah and also like again if you go through this process like being able to you know digest it yourself and rationalize it and, and explain it helps you then communicate what happened to the rest of the team the company because if a person has to go at some point uh, you need to be able to own that decision and explain it to the people around you and around this person uh it shouldn't be like it's mystery or surprise or anything like that and so going through that process helps you then face the, the following steps yeah you're right what else is there anything else that you wanted to bring up discuss some other angles that we didn't touch on not necessarily an angle maybe it's just a reflection is that sometimes i hear people say that you know the, the more you repeat something the easier it gets probably that's the exception uh, to that rule <laughs> it never gets better Oh, easier, not better. It never gets easier. It gets better, but it never yeah. gets easier. I, I think that's just something that I learned again, like um, over time, you, you tend to think that it gets easier, but not necessarily. Right. Oh, that's a very good point. Like you said at the beginning, look, every case is uh, is unique. So no matter how many times you have faced it, you might have your own recipe and all the, you know, how to deal with the performance improvement plan. You follow all the steps that you have mentioned in the right way and still it doesn't work out. And you might be left wondering, what did I do this time? <laughs> and instead, it was not meant to be, maybe. Maybe it's just that. Exactly. And it's hard. <laughs> yes. It's, as I said at the beginning, one of the hardest part of the job. And yet, they don't teach anything about it, at least uh, the universities that I've been in when talking with, with different colleagues. I don't know if it has changed, but uh, it's it's very interesting that they don't really talk about this when you're at home. Yeah. And maybe something, it's a good reminder, once again, not just for universities or management classes or anything like that but even for companies like when someone is internally is switching from an ic type of career to um, manager's career and leadership position how can we make sure that this person feels like supported especially in the hard bits of the of the job like yeah deal with the team and you know the technology and you just start doing your one-on-ones and personal development you'll be fine until you hit a wall and you face a situation like that and you might get scared and decide to quit and go back to being an IC. And... <laughs> yes, that, that, that happens. But like in, in all of the negative things that we, we talked about, like as, as I said a bit earlier, I think it also, when the plan works, like have the opportunity to help those people, 
at some point in their career and hopefully have had an impact on on their career is what drives me what uh yeah. what, one of the reasons why i wanted to do this job and yeah 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 yeah, absolutely. Probably like like you said, maybe when the the plan doesn't go as you hope for, then it's a the lowest of lows for a manager. But when it works out actually, and you see that someone can reach their potential, they get back on track, and they are successful in their career, then it's one of the highest highs as a as a manager. Like yeah. if I had to mention like my successes and my failures, probably <laughs> I would mention especially dealing with these situations. And also one more thing you made me think about is. Yes, it's very stressful. Yes, it's a hard thing to to face. But at the end of the day, it's good that there is someone facing that situation, navigating that situation and that complexity and supporting people going through that experience. Because without people like you, other managers, like it would be very tricky for like not realizing that this is happening, not doing anything about it, not helping who is involved. It doesn't work in the end. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting because I... Um, like have a lot of friends working in, in different industries and I feel like it's something very specific to the IT world like I don't hear a lot of other people in other industries talking about these things and when I hear people talk about what their job is about um, being a manager in industry x y and z it, it's sometimes very different to, mm-hmm. to the experience we might have uh, as engineering managers yeah maybe that's why we're talking about it today <laughs> yes cool i think we're getting to the end of the the episode if you if you had to say anything maybe it's hard to condense it in, in a few words but what is the most important message you would like our audience to live with the whole episode of course <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly the whole episode um no i think probably if we want to summarize it is you're, you're not alone so get help uh, from mm-hmm. other people and throughout the process as a manager, I think it's important. Be very clear in terms of like expectations, in terms of timelines, um, write things down. So like be very clear about what you expect people to do in order to uh, meet the expectations of their of their job. Um, reflect back mm-hmm. and use empathy as much as you can. Uh, and, and maybe we should stress that uh, a lot is like you're you're dealing with human beings and everybody is different. Everybody's going through something different in their lives. And so that additional empathy on top of all the empathy you usually show uh, might go a long way for, for, for the person who's being uh, on the improvement plan. Amazing. Thank you so much, Julian. I really enjoyed the conversation. And, uh, and if I can add one more message, like, let's keep talking about these things. Like, don't be afraid to share your experience. Don't be afraid to discuss tricky topics. That's what we should do more of. And, uh, and that's how we can all grow as people, community of managers, companies. Yeah. Not just the happy path and the happy scenarios. <laughs> that's easy. Exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. Like, I think hard things is where you learn. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alberto, for having me. And uh, yeah, see you maybe in the future in another episode. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.